Hello and welcome to another episode of the Revolutionary Podcast. This is Pastor Tito Sotolongo, your podcast pastor. And it is my job to help you find faith in Christ and help follow through with your life. And the word that I wanted to bring today that I've really felt God put on my heart uh, is something that was planned for weeks ago, uh, months ago, actually. And it still speaks exactly to the anxiety and the fear that we are experiencing now over in really around the world because of the COVID-19 or coronavirus. And so I want you to receive this word today from the Lord because I believe it's not something that you are called to receive. It is something that you are also called to give away. And so let's dive right in and let's see what God had to say and see how the prophet Isaiah experienced and responded to panic. It's amazing to see what is happening right now in the world, right? It's, it's crazy to see how people are acting, how people are reacting. And I know a lot of pastors right now, whatever series they were on, I know everyone's pausing and saying, no, we need to speak to what is happening in the world. We need to speak to whether it's the fear and the anxiety and the uncertainty that everybody's dealing with. And they ought to. And I was going to do the same thing. And when I looked back at the text that was selected for, I mean, months ago, I was like, man, I don't got to change a thing. This is Perfect for today. Had to make some tweaks. But I thought it was, I'm I'm excited to be able to share what I believe, again, it's something that God wants us to understand, but it's not just for us to have, it's for us to have and to hold and to hand out. So y'all feeling me? So regardless of, I don't care if we were 2 or 22, 52, 92, all right, I'm going to preach this. And Can y'all help me? All right, y'all going to help me today? All right, y'all going to help me today? Yes or no? Y'all good? All right, y'all going to help me today? Let's go. So here's the thing. Obviously, guys, we are seeing something insane because a lot of people are taking something very seriously, right? They're taking this disease, COVID-19, coronavirus, whatever you want to call it. They are taking this thing seriously because, hey, you could say it's, it's a big deal. I mean, you're seeing a lot of things. And this isn't brand new, right? The world has seen and had moments like this before. And, uh, you know, maybe for us, this is the first time we've experienced it. But for God, this isn't his first rodeo. And this, and so it's, it's amazing for us when we're like, man, I've never seen this, and yo, this is serious. And I, I'm sure even in this room, we have a couple of, uh, we got people all over the, the gauntlet, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure here. We got some people who are taking things too seriously, and we probably have some people who aren't taking it seriously enough, and hey, let's have grace for each other. No debates or discuss whether this is a big hoax or big conspiracy or whatnot or bioterrorism, which it all could be, you never know. Or it's, hey, it's like, wow, this is a real scenario. And so I know that's some interesting conversations. I know I've been caught in. I'm sure you've caught in. I'm like, how serious should we take this? Anybody been on that, had that conversation so far? How serious should we be taking this? And here's the thing. You and I know, you and I know that when you take something serious, that's when you take steps, right? You can't take steps if you're not serious about anything. When you, anybody, when you were here, you were serious about making a decision in life. You, you know, and you were like, oh, this is serious. You were careful about what step do I need to take? Right. If there's a problem that you're facing and, you know, I'm like, all right, I when you take it seriously, then you start finding steps you need to take. Unfortunately, there's a lot of us and you've been here. I've been here. We've all been here where we didn't take certain things seriously right away. And then we kind of put it off. Like we kind of hit denial. Like, no, I got time. You know, I'm still young. Like whatever circumstance. Right. We're like, no, it's okay. It's not that big of a deal. We tend to deny things. And sometimes when we deny it for too long, and then when we realize, "Uh uh-oh, I ran out of time, or, yo, this is more serious than I thought, then panic kind of sets in a little bit. And when panic sets in, why? Because you realize, 
I've wasted a lot of time. I got to make up some time. What do I need to do now? And the unfortunate thing is that when you panic, you don't make smart decisions. Can, can somebody raise your hand and tell me that you made, tell me that you, your wisest decision ever, you were emotional when you made a smart decision, right? And I'm like, very few of us. When we get emotional, we don't make the best decisions. You feeling me? Not when we're emotional because everything's kind of going crazy and going all over the place. In fact, studies show that when you panic, you don't use reasons. You don't, you don't tend to use reason and logic when you're panicking. And you can kind of see that right now, right? When you're seeing everybody that was like, oh, well, it's just another, it's just like the swine, or it's just this, or it's just that. Not that big of a deal, not that big of a deal. And then you see, okay, basketball got canceled. Wow, that's weird. Okay. Then all the sports got canceled. I'm like, what are we going to watch on ESPN now? I was like, what's going on? Right, everything is canceled. And then you're like, all right, whatever. And so Disney gets canceled. Okay, now you got my attention. What's going on? What? What happened? Right, all the parks get canceled. School's canceled. I'm pretty sure some people won't complain about that one. But anyways, you know, it's like all these things are kind of getting shut down. And everyone's like, whoa, wait, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. And there's a lot of people who weren't taking it as serious at the beginning. And now they are. And now they're just going crazy. I know y'all have seen the videos. I know you've seen the pictures of what Publix looks like. Right. I know you've seen the pictures of what Costco and all these stores looking like. It's crazy because and, and a lot of the decisions, a lot of things that people are buying, it doesn't make sense. It's one lady I saw. She had a, I mean, a whole cart full of 25 gallon things of milk. I'm like, ma'am, that's there's an expiration date on that in the next two weeks. Like, what's going on? What are you going to do? Like, you, you can't just chug that like that. Like, um, are you see, when we're panicking, we don't make smart decisions, right? We've seen yesterday, I went over and I saw, you know, no paper towels, nothing, no toilet paper. I saw a lot of depends though. And so, yo, there's going to be some folks wearing some adult diapers because somebody's hoarding all the toilet paper. But then that one's weird, right? He was like, yo, why do I need all this toilet paper that everyone's making? That's a very weird purchase. Everyone's going for the toilet paper, not the vitamins, right, or something like that. And so it's like, why? That, that doesn't, again, when people panic, they're not making, you know, crazy decisions. I'm like, look, I, I get it. Oh, well, we need the toilet paper just in case we get quarantined, just because, you know, if I got to be two weeks, you know, in the house, you know, I, I got to have toilet paper. It's like, man, ma'am, if you need 282 rolls of toilet paper, to survive just two weeks of quarantine, you got more issues than corona. It's like, you should have been to the doctor a long time ago, ma'am, all right? You should have been. I mean, it, corona's a respiratory disease. If it was explosive diarrhea, it'd be something different, okay? But it's not that. It's completely different. And so, again, we're making all these crazy decisions. Everyone's panicking because now we're trying to take it serious. And now, oh, oh what do I do now? And, oh, oh, oh let me just get, and let me get, and let me get, Right? And so, and then you got people trying to take advantage and trying to profit over people's panic. But listen, here's the thing. As a church, how do we respond? How do we operate in this world in this way? Well, in this, here's the thing. We can't find solutions if we don't take the problem serious. Y'all follow me on that? And that's any, for anything in your life, okay? If you got a problem, you're never going to try to find the solution until you take the problem serious. When you take it serious, now you can find steps towards a solution. It works like that with the world. It works like that in anything you do. And especially it works like that with your spiritual nature. Because let me tell you guys, the problem that a lot that we're facing right now is deeper than just a respiratory disease. Okay. In fact, disease is a result of a spiritual condition called sin. And a lot of the fear and the anxiety and all the th crazy things that people are doing, guess what? At the root, it's a spiritual issue fear and anxiety and worry and all these things at the root of it is a spiritual issue 
And you can't see, you can't have a fine spiritual, I'm sorry, you cannot solve spiritual problems with man-made solutions. Y'all hear me on that? You can't find, you can't solve a spiritual problem with man-made solutions. You need a spiritual solution to tackle spiritual problems. And so here's what we're going to look at today. In fact, Isaiah, we saw Isaiah experience this in at one point, and we're going to see how Jesus helps us to apply that even to today. And so we're going to read Isaiah chapter 6. Some of you, if you've read the Bible long enough, you're pretty sure you've heard this story before. But there's some interesting ones that are going to be brand new for you, I promise, because it was for me. But in Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah is facing a national crisis. Okay, just like us, we are experiencing a worldwide crisis. Well, Isaiah was facing a national crisis. Notice here in chapter 1, it said, in, I'm sorry, in chapter, verse 1, chapter 6, in the year that King Uzziah died. Now, this is the big deal because here, this is panic mode. Okay, this is the king is dead. And King Uzziah was a good king. Just to give you a little back history, the King Uzziah was a good king. He did a lot to help the nation come back to God and to restore the nation's spiritual prosperity and financial prosperity. He was making Israel great again, all right? And so here, this is kind of what it was. Isaiah, was, I mean, King Uzziah was an interesting, he was a good king. But here's the thing, he died, and the way he died was very, very crazy. He actually got sick. The reason why he got sick was he actually lacked the fear of God. And this is kind of a review. If you missed last week, you can go check it online. The King Uzziah, I guess, I don't know if he got too bold and confident. I'm like, yo, look at all the prosperity. Look at all that God has done in me. And, with, and all we know is that he got a little too full of himself one day and wanted to go to the temple to sacrifice and to burn incense to the Lord as worship. But that was a job for only the priest. In fact, God had declared, look, the king has jurisdictions. The priest has a jurisdiction. Priests can't do king jobs. King, you know, the king can't do the, the priest job. And there was something interesting there. So King Uzziah said, ah, I want to do it today. I'm kind of feeling it. I want to worship God. I want to. And he lacked the fear of the Lord. And we talked about this last week. When you don't have the fear of the Lord, you don't fear crossing boundaries. He did something that was contrary to God's word. He sinned. He contracted a skin disease and died. And so now here's the nation panicking. Isaiah, he's here. What are we going to do? How, I mean, our fearless leader who has brought us to where we are, the king is dead. Now, what are we going to do? Right now, we're looking. I mean, we don't know what to, how are we going to handle this? How are we going to take this national crisis? What are we going to do? Well, let's look what Isaiah did. He says here, verse 6, in the year that the king Uzziah died, I saw another king. You see this? When the king died, I saw another king. I saw the Lord seated high and lofty on the throne. And on the hem of his robe filled the temple. And the seraphim were standing above and they were standing above him, and they each had six wings. With two of them, they covered their faces. With two of them, covered their feet. And with the other two, they flew. And one called to, uh, to another, saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of armies. His glory fills the whole earth. And the foundation of the doorway shook at the sound of their voices, and the temple was filled with the smoke. So here he says, you know what? The king is dead, but there's another king who's still alive, right? Here he looks up, and this is the key. He looks up and sees the king. He was looking down, frustrated. What's going to happen? I don't know what I'm going to do. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? And he looks up, and he's been given a vision that even though there is no king on the throne in Israel, there's still a king on the throne in heaven. And that the king of kings is still very much alive. And the king of kings is very much in charge. I mean, and the king of kings, you saw, he's a big God. He's alive. He is being worshipped. Like, there's 
some bad things going down in the nation. But these angels, when they look at God, they're not blaming God. They're not pointing fingers at God. Why do you allow this to happen? They're just saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. How amazing is this God? All they see is goodness like we've been singing about today. See amazing things. And I know maybe it was kind of a little weird. Yo, what kind of creature is this with six wings? Let me just tell you this one. By the way, it's an angel, but I love it. Don't, don't lose the, the detail of the six, right? How many wings did it take? He take two wings to cover his face, two wings to cover his feet, and with two, they flew, right? Saying, holy, holy, holy. When you see anything triple in the Bible like that, that's Hebrew word. That's a, you know, it's kind of a, an expression of like, it's like you getting a text message in all caps, right? When you get a text message in all caps, Somebody's screaming at you, right? I mean, they're serious. It's all caps. Well, that's what that is. Holy, holy, holy. He was like, man, this God is perfect, unapproachable, amazing. And with and those, the, 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 uh, the physical thing of covering their feet and their, and their, I'm sorry, their hands, oh my gosh, covering their face and their feet, that's a position of worship. That's in honor of God. So they got two to cover their head, two to cover their feet, two to fly. So that means that they are using four of their six wings to worship, two to work. You see that? And that should be the ratio, guys, of us as believers. We need to say, hey, worship takes priority over work. Like, my work comes from my worship. So four wings to fly, that's four wings to worship God, two to work. And so worship should take priority in our lives as believers. And when we respond and we see this good God of ours. And so here he sees that, man, not only is this God good, but, yo, he's a big God. His robe is filling the temple, right? I mean, everything is filled, and not just the temple, but the world. He's covering it all. He's huge. So he looks up and sees God, but then Isaiah goes from looking up to seeing God, and he looks in to see himself. Look what he, look what he says next in just verse 5. Then I said, after what he saw, he says, then I said, woe is me, for I am ruined. Because I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and because my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of armies, or the deliverer. Listen, he sees, looks up, and is like, wow, God is good. And then he looks in, and I'm like, whoa, I'm dead. All right? I'm, I'm sure you've, you've had that moment when you did something, you're like, oh, my wife's going to kill me. Your mom's going to kill me when she sees me right now. Or when you know that, uh-oh, like the teacher just caught you cheating, and now you got to call into the principal. I'm like, oh, I'm dead. Right? I'm dead right now. I'm dead. I'm toast, whatever it is, right? And so, see, that right there is what Isaiah is feeling. He looks up, sees God, looks in, and sees, uh oh. Woe is me. Woe is me is just like, I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble. He sees, man, my God is alive, but he looks in at himself and realizes he's dead. And then that whole phrase, I am ruined, like the guy is falling apart. He can't hold it together. All right, I'm pretty sure you've been there. You've had those moments. Some people are probably going through that right now, right? They just emotionally just can't hold it together, physically can't hold it together. That's what's going down right now with Isaiah. He sees, man, my God is alive. I'm dead. He sees, my God is worshiped. I'm unworthy. When he says, I am ruined, I am a person of unclean lips. He's not just saying he has a potty mouth. He's not saying that, yo, I, can, I cuss from time to time or I'm a little negative or critical. That's not what he's saying. Because he's saying from, and here's something about the Bible, guys, and we see that God reveals that the words that we use come from our heart. So when he says, I'm a person of unclean lips, he is saying, I am a person of unclean nature. And so is my people. So is the nation. So we all are. Like, we all have something wrong. We do not compare to this God. This God is worshipped and is worthy of worship, and we are unworthy. And the same way that this God is so filling he looked in and saw, I'm empty. I am empty. Woe is me. I, am, I have seen the king. And when you see the king, you see yourself. 
But then see, here's what happens. After he looked in, up to God, he looked in, saw himself. He looked out and saw God do something. Check this next verse out. Verse 6 through 8. Then one of those same angels flew to him, flew to me, and he says, and in his hand was a glowing coal that he had taken from the altar. That's a key word right there. I'm going to come back to that. And he touched my mouth with it and said, now this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is removed and your sin is atoned for. Iniquity, guys, is a sin in us. It's that desire. Like we talked about this a couple weeks ago. You've ever said that thing when it says, yo, what's wrong with me? Right? When you do that thing, you say that thing, you react a certain way, and you ask yourself, yo, what's wrong with me? I can't believe I did that. Or what's wrong with me? I can't fix. I can't stop doing what I don't want to do. Or I'm not doing what I want to do. What's wrong with me? That's iniquity. That's that part inside of each and every one of you that does not want to bow to God and his ways. And so he's saying, look, this has touched you. So this iniquity is, by the way, when it says removed, look, it's like cut off. The hole that was on it, it's cut off because it was atoned for. That's not a phrase you and I use all the time, but that's a big biblical word that's huge for us to know. Atoned for means, listen, somebody paid this price for you. Somebody paid the price so you can enjoy something that you didn't have to work to earn or you couldn't afford it. I mean, I uh, think about a month or two ago, love, uh, I, had, we, I was in a meeting here and I took a little, ran a little too late. And I see my wife and she's smiling. And see, we had ran late. It's, I'm hungry. I know she's hungry. The kids are hungry. She's smiling. I'm like, she's going to ask to do something. Oh, no. And I can't say no to that smile. I can't say no to that smile. I was like, oh, no. What's going to happen now? So I was like, you know what? Uh, I think we should go out to eat. I think we should go out to lunch. And I'm like, oh, okay, where are we going? And I was like, I just can't say no. So I'm like, oh, let's go to Kobe's. And so we went to Kobe's over there. We, we ate food. Kobe's is a really cool Japanese restaurant we went to there. And so we went over there. We had fun, great time. And as we, uh, we had some other people, we were, you know, hanging out, chilling with them. We didn't know who they were. They were just there. And uh, I didn't realize that they had gotten up and left. They just bolted. I thought they went to the bathroom or whatnot. So we go to pay, and the person says, oh, no, it's okay. One of those gentlemen already paid for the entire table. Thank you, Jesus. All right, that's, that's, that's a Sunday afternoon right there. Let's go. Okay. because so, Trust me, yo, that bill was, I was nervous when that bill came. Free. I'm like, woo, oh, let's go. All right, I got excited. I'm like, heck yes. And so, see, here's the thing. Is that's atoned for is kind of like that. But atoned for is bigger than that. It would have been a debt that I could not pay. And then if I didn't pay it, I would, let's say, go to jail or something like that. So a penalty would happen to me if I couldn't pay it. And having somebody else pay for that. That's kind of like atonement. That's a little bit there. And so here he is recognizing, oh, my gosh, my God has atoned for my sins. This great, amazing God and me, I can't compare. And, and he atones for my sin. Now look what happens in verse 8. This is one of the famous ones that Isaiah says. After his, his, he was atoned for, he says, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, who shall I send? Who should I send into the world? Who will go for us I got a message. I got people that need to hear. I got people that are out there hurting, suffering. Who am I going to send? God's kind of like talking out loud to himself or whatever. Or the angels, we don't know. And here, notice, what does Isaiah say? God, here I am. Send me. Send me. How did Isaiah go from woe is me to here I am, send me? You see how fast that went? He went from woe is me to God, here I am, send me, send me. Why? Not because he thought he was better or nothing. No, it's because of the experience that he had with his God. He went from being empty to filled, fulfilled. He went from being dead to now alive. He went from feeling unworthy to wanting to worship this God. With and said, God, no, here I am. Send me. Listen, when you look up to God and when you look into your need for God and you allow him, you receive 
his ability in you like he did with that coal there. When you look out, you're going to see God move and you're going to see God. God's going to put new eyes on you to go and meet the needs of other people. To go out there and say, Lord, how can I reflect this good experience that I had? God, how can you use me to help me? Use me to help somebody else. Like, you've met my needs. God, use me to help me, help, you know, meet the needs of other people. And so when you look up and you look in in that way, you can't help but to look out and find opportunities to want to live for this God because he's so good. Because he's so good. And so here again, remember, at the beginning, he had a national panic. What am I going to do? Well, he looked up, looked in, and now he was ready. When he looked out, he didn't see a problem. He had a solution. He says, God, let's go. I'm ready. Send me. Send me. Now, that experience that Isaiah had gives us a little shadow, guys, of what we can experience with Jesus. You want to see how Jesus did the whole look up, look in, look out thing? Check it out. Look in Mark chapter 1. Here, again, panic. There's a problem here. In verse 15, no, 14, after John was arrested, Jesus went to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. All right, I don't have that there, but I'm just going to say when, when John was arrested, that's a big deal. Because John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, was out there, and he was a prophet just like Isaiah, just like these guys. And he was saying, the Messiah is coming. Now is the time. You guys need to get ready. Get ready because the king is coming. Get ready because the Messiah is going to be here. And you need to repent and believe. Position yourself. Prepare yourself. Now, Jesus, this is right at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. He's about to get started on his mission. In fact, some say that a year has passed from the time that he spent 40 days in the desert up until this point. A year, or close to a year has passed. Now he's about, he's kicking off his mission on earth. And again, in a time of panic, because all the people who are believing that the Messiah is coming, that something is happening, when they see John the Baptist arrested, some thought he was the Messiah. Then they're like, uh-oh, wait a minute, what's going to, now, what are we going to do now? Like, what are we going to do now? I thought he was going to lead and usher this in, or I thought maybe it was him. And like, what are we going to do? Again, that's everybody facing the, looking at the world, what are we going to do? Jesus steps up and he says, super simple. Okay, here's, check out what Jesus says. He steps out on the scene as people are panicking. First message that Jesus ever spoke. First message that Jesus ever spoke on his mission to save the world. Look what he says. Here's the first sermon he ever preached. You ready? Takes two seconds. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent, believe the good news. Dropped the mic and walked off. That was his first sermon. That was it. Two sentences. Two sentences. The kingdom of God is, has come near, so repent and believe in the good news. And guys, I want you to look at the first one. The kingdom of God is near. See, what God, what Jesus was trying to get people to do was first, yo, look up. You, you look up right now. You need to look up and see. They're looking in. I'm like, oh, looking down, man. I, you know, John's arrested. Well, now what about us? Or maybe that was just like another dude, and maybe, it's, maybe he was wrong. Maybe he didn't know, to, you know, what's going to happen. Now Jesus says, ah, uh, look up. Look up. In the same way Isaiah looked up and saw a king, Jesus wanted everyone to look up and say, hey, the king is here. The king is here and his kingdom has come. Like, I'm here. Look up and you see the king. And see, the kingdom of God, this is so much better than just a king, guys, because a king comes with a kingdom. And y'all know how that works, okay? If a king has a kingdom, then what happens inside of the kingdom? You got rules, right? You got rules and regulations. That's what makes the king the king. He dictates all those things. There's an authority that comes with the king. And if you are under his rule, he got authority. He got power. He got power. And so when Jesus is saying, guys, look, when you panic, first thing you need to do, look, look up. Look up and see that there is, that there is a king. Look up and see that there is a king. Look to see the king is here. 
and the king has come to you. I love that right there. That's that amazing thing. Guys, look, you and I don't have to go running and searching for this God because here's the good news, guys. God has been searching for you. God came to you. God's been looking for you. You're not looking for him. God came to you. All right? It's just like imagine if you were, and I don't want you, and if, you know, God forbid this happens, but imagine you were in a scenario where you were in an accident. And, and you are just flat on the ground, and you need help. You can't go to the emergency room. What happens? The emergency room has to come to you, right? It's called an ambulance. The ambulance comes and picks you up, takes you, takes you back, puts you together again. That's Jesus. And that's you and I without him. That's you and I without him. It's just flat on our backs, unable. But the good news is that, look, not only is there a king, but the king look, is looking for you. And the king comes for us. The king is active. The king is moving. The king is walking. And he came to us. That time that fulfills the saying, what the prophets have been declaring, time's up. It's now. Now is that time. And so notice we got to look up. When we're dealing with situations we don't know what to do, always, guys, listen, that's where you start always. Look up and see that there is a king, and this king has a kingdom, and this kingdom comes with authority and power that is different than anything that we experience in this world. But then when you look up, here's what you got to do. You got to look in. What did Jesus then say? Repent. And believe in the good news. Guys, to repent means this. And this is the big one for us. To repent is not just to say, I'm sorry. Sometimes people think repenting is repeating an apology. Listen, it's not. Repenting is not oops. Repent is like, my bad. I'll get you next time. All right? That's not repenting. Repenting is not even. I mean, it's, it involves sincere. It involves sincere, you know, regret or, or it, it's part of it. But to repent means to change your mind. Change your mind about God. Change your mind about yourself. That's what happened to Isaiah. Isaiah saw God and was like, oh, okay. Man, my, my view of God was too small. This God is bigger than I thought. This God is better than I thought. My view of God was too small. But then when he looked at himself, he's like, yo, my view of me was too big. My view of me was too big. And Isaiah, his repentance was in when he changed his mind about how great God was and how much he needed him. How amazing God was and how much he wasn't God. And that was the repentance. That was the shift that happened. And so when Jesus says repent, he's calling everybody out. He's pretty much telling them there is something wrong in you that needs to get fixed. And you got to agree. That's what the believe is. You got to come into agreement with that. You got to trust You got to trust that I'm saying the truth. You got to trust that I'm not saying something to scare you or to do anything. You got to trust this because until you trust it, you can't receive it. Until you trust in God's word, you can't operate in it, guys. That's where that faith comes in. Believe, have faith, trust, agree with me because this is good news. And when you look up and see there is a king and this king is coming to you, he's king, he's approaching you. Not because you are worthy, not because he's amazing. He wants to recruit you on your team just because, yo, you special, you the MVP. No, not for any of that. He comes to you because you need him. And when you repent and believe, you receive this good news, this good work that he does. And then what did I say? After you look up, you look in. What was the next one? You look what? You look in and you look out. Look at how he looks out next. Verse 17, 16, 17. Jesus drops the mic, he walks off, and he passes the Sea of Galilee, and he sees Simon and Andrew. Simon's brother casting a net into the sea, and they were fishermen. And what does Jesus say? He says, hey, follow me. Follow me, and I'm going to make you fishers of men. See, when you look up and you look in like that, and you recognize your need for God, then you look out, and God is saying, all right, so just just follow me, man. 
follow me. See, before, if you wanted the blessings of God, there was behavior had to be on point. Behavior was on point, had to be there. But now he's saying your prerequisite is not just behavior, it's belief. That's our prerequisite to see God move in our life. It's just repenting and believing. And when we do that, then God does some. He begins to shift inside of us. And when he says, follow me, follow me now. He say, listen, follow my lead. Let me show you. You don't have to have it all figured out. It's okay. Come this way. You don't even have to have everything, believe everything right away because they had no clue. They didn't. There was a lot that they needed to go through. He was like, just, just come on, guys. Just follow me. But for them to follow, what did they have to do? They had to leave those nets behind. To follow Jesus means to leave something behind. It's to leave your old way of thinking, your old, your, all your actions, all your attitudes, your past. You have to kind of walk away from that. And again, what did we see? What did we see Isaiah the, 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 you know, the coal from the altar came, cut off the iniquity, right? He cut off and then moved on. And see here, that's what we do. When, when God does something in us, when we realize that Jesus gave himself on the altar, when Jesus gave himself on the altar of the cross, and now when his blood is applied to your sins, your iniquities, your sin is cut off. And God doesn't just cut it off. He cuts it off, takes it, and launches it as far from the depths, as far away from you as possible. That's why it's so good news. It's good news because of that. But how many times, and I know I've done it, we cry over the things that God has cut off. We do that. We still lament and cry over the very things that God has already forgiven. God has forgiven. So instead of wasting crying over the things that you've made a mistake for no cry out to him in joy that he has not just cut that off from you but he's removed it to you and he's doing something brand new in you so leave that behind leave that thinking behind leave all that behind and walk and follow God's lead and so guys that's that's the application right now that's the one thing I want us all as we're facing the world and all the craziness you need to look up you need to learn to look up you need to learn to look in you need to learn to look out you got to take your spiritual health seriously in fact, this whole thing with, with, uh, with, that we've been doing with Lent, and that's, the, the, that's what we've been doing. What we've been doing, three R's. Re- remember, repent, and be renewed. Well, guys, that's what that is. Remember, repent, and renewed. It's look up and remember who God is. Remember, look up and see who he is. When you're not sure what's happening, when you're seeing all the crazy things, look up and remember who he is. And then look in and recognize how much you still need him. Look in and recognize there's still some things I need to shift and bring under the kingdom authority of God. And then look out for ways that God can use you to be a light in a dark place. That God can use you to be a blessing in the world. You look up, you look in, you look out. That's the process. And that's what God is calling his church to do on a day like today during the times that we are facing right now. We can't go out in the world if we have nothing to give. And we have to stop, look up, look in. So then we can look out and find things. And so God can use us. And again, it's that, that, that kingdom that's come, guys. We got a king and he invites us into the kingdom. And that kingdom comes with authority. And that kingdom comes with power. That listen, so many of us, none of us, including me, yo, you haven't even scratched the surface of what God can do through you. The same power that rose Jesus from the grave, the same power Jesus says, you can do even greater things than me. You can do even greater things than me if you understand that, if you believe that, if you repent. You can do greater things than me. Somebody, are you going to receive that word today? That you can do, God can do a great thing in you, and that you can do even greater things in Jesus. Yes, you. And it doesn't matter. It's not a, that, that ability is not a reward for your health. It's not a reward for your Bible knowledge. It's not a reward for your church attendance. Okay? It's medicine for your soul. It's medicine for your sickness. From your disease. That's what we need. But when you walk into this, when you surrender to this king, 
this king is so good, he lends you his authority. He lends you his authority. And so, but for us to be able to walk in that, we got to learn to take a time out. All right? Yeah, I know right now sports is all canceled, right? So you know, who knows what we're going to watch and just do for the next little bit, but it's okay. But guys, if you've ever seen sports, you know you've asked for a timeout sometimes, right? If you ever played a game, it's like, oh, hold on, timeout. I, I, let's take a pause for a minute. You guys, right now the, the president has pretty much called the whole nation, take a, take a timeout. Let's pray to God. Let's look to him. And why do we people take a timeout? People take a timeout to assess the circumstances, make adjustments, and then advance. That's what we do, right? If, if things are going wrong, you know, especially if you're kind of losing or things aren't going your way, there's momentum on the opposing team. You take a timeout to try to pause that, to try to break a rhythm, to try to see what you can do. You take a timeout, and the first thing you do is assess the problem. Yo, why are we losing? Why is this not working? What, you assess the situation. What, is they, what are they doing? What is the opposing team doing? But then you make adjustments. Okay, if they're going to come at us this way, then we're going to go this way. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to assess the problem. We're going to adjust. And then why? In order to advance. In order to score the point. In order to get the first down. In order to advance the ball and advance your agenda. Well, guys, listen. When we remember who God is, when we look up to remember who God is, that's us assessing the problem. And we recognize that God, had, we got to bring him into the problem. We got to bring him. He's not the problem. He's the solution to the problem. We got to assess the circumstance. And then we got to make adjustments in our life. What are attitudes that we need to repossession or stop? And what adjustments does God need to do in us? And then when he does that, then we can look out to advance what God has done in the same way. And that's what we need to do right now. Because when we look up and we see my God hasn't changed, my God is still good and my God's still in charge. And then you look in and recognize how much you have been changed by his love. You look out and you're going to look to the enemy. You're going to look out to sickness and darkness and and all of these things that we're seeing in the world. And you're going to tell those things, you need to look out. You need to look out because I am a carrier of the kingdom of God. I am a son and daughter of the living king of the living God. And the same authority that's in Christ is in me. So you look to disease. You look to darkness. You look to hopelessness. And you say, it's time for you to look out. Time's up for you because we got to advance this kingdom. we got to advance. And when we see hopelessness, we bring hope. When we see anxiety, we bring peace. When we see darkness, we bring light. That's how we advance. That's how we can see God do what he only can do. Recognizing who he is and our need for him. And when we receive that, there is nothing that God can't do. A.W. Tozer once said that a fearful church needs a fearless church. And the only way that we can be that kind of a fearless church is if we have and possess the fear of the Lord. And we can only do that when we look up. And we recognize who he is and, rec- and look in and recognize our need for him. And only then when we can do that will we receive the blessings of God in our life. And then we will be just like Isaiah and say, Lord, you have blessed me. So here I am. Send me. Send me to be a blessing. Send me to be a blessing to others. And so we can continue to carry on where Jesus left off and expand. And as the kingdom advances in us, it also advances through us. So I want to end today the same way that we ended our service this morning by just reading to you the lyrics of a song we sang called The Blessing. And it speaks of the blessings of the Lord that we receive. But so in, in order we receive it in order that we can be a blessing and so others can receive what we have. And so I just want to read this to you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you give you peace. 
May his favor be upon you in a thousand generations for your children and their children and their children and their children. Remembering that he is for you. Our God is for you. Again, our God is for you. Our God is for you. And may his presence go before you and behind you and beside you, all around you and within you. Because he is with you. He is with you in the morning, in the evening, in your coming and your going, in your weeping and rejoicing. He is for you. And if God is for you, nothing can stand against you. The coronavirus might have uh, shut down some churches around the country and around the world, but know that the no virus and no enemy can shut down the church. And so, guys, it's time to not only call on the God, look up, look in, but then look to the enemy and say, look out, because here comes the church. We're on our way. It's time to advance and continue to advance the kingdom of God in this dark time. So, guys, I want to invite you to come back next week as we continue our Lent series. And just remember, yo, it's time to be a revolutionary. And God is going to change the world the more you revolve your life around Christ as he changes you so that you can receive the blessings of God and be a blessing and be a light in a dark place and to be fearless in the midst of a fearful world. God bless you.